So welcome to another episode of the Swamp Inside Florida Athletics. I'm your host, Anthony Beck, along with my co-host. Jerry Brown, a.k.a. I am Breezy I.I. What's going on, everybody? How you doing, A.B.? Good, man. How you doing? Good to have you back on here. Yes, sir, man. I'm feeling a lot better. I'm good. It's good to be back on. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we we held it down for you last week. We I had had two um had Connor and um Hector on filling in last week. So oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, um, although we 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 brought down the mood, people. We we were we were very depressed and very disappointed with last with that episode having to talk about the baseball team last week. But like I said, I mean, they we're going to be more positive this week on this episode. Yes, sir. And we had a big. Big weekend, especially in recruiting. Oh yeah. So with that, let's just dive right into it. We got two commits over the weekend in both CJ Smith, the six foot three wide receiver out of Orlando, Bishop Moore High School, a four star receiver with 10 200 meter track speed. Good lord. So good lord. So you you already know. And with the size to go with six three to go with it. Yeah, sign me up to have to get this kid on my campus, definitely. Mm-hmm. So we we got that commit. So Jared, what what are your thoughts about about CJ Smith? A lot of thoughts. Um, I'm very excited to have speed back in the swamp. I feel like uh, CJ Smith is going to be a great addition. I've been looking for us to get a home run hitter. Um, I wasn't able to see much uh, in game film of him. Uh, I was searching for, it, but I couldn't find a lot. But I'm very excited to have him. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that we kind of – you remember when we had the whole Anthony Schwartz saga going on, like, what was it, three or four years ago? Yeah. I think he's going to be a guy that Dan Mullen can use like he would have used in Anthony Schwartz. Um, his athleticism is going to be able to bring a great deal of competition into our wide receiver room, and um, we're going to be special with him, man. I'm really looking forward to having him. Yeah, man, I, I agree 100%. I mean, you get a guy – like we said, that six foot three can run, can fly, can absolutely mm-hmm. fly. So mm-hmm. this is a guy that, as you said, is a home run hitter. You know, you can put him out there, split him out wide, and you know, just tell him to go. And he can not only go up and get the ball, but he can actually go and get the ball if you open oh, yeah. door because he's got the speed to get there. And yep. if he gets in the open space with his speed, because his track he has track speed, but it translates very well to the football field. Mm-hmm. So if he gets in the open field. The you is pretty much good night, <laughs> pretty much good night because there's almost no catching him. Yeah, and bro. The other commit that we got, which I'm also very excited about because <laughs> I'm scared. I'm, I'm I'm a little afraid to say that. I don't want to say this. I hope you don't hear this for some reason. But <laughs> we went into the state of Alabama, Mobile to be exact, and got a commitment from four star linebacker uh-huh. Shamar James out of. Faith Academy High School. He's listed as an athlete because at Faith Academy, this kid plays linebacker, he plays wide receiver, and he's also a Wildcat quarterback. So this is a guy that's just a straight athlete, and he has 4-4 speed as well. So, what are you, Jared, what are your thoughts about him? Uh, Shamar? Shamar is a, an athletic monster, an athletic freak. Uh, we always need some of them. I think he can be used as like uh, a diabetic guy, or he could be, uh, shoot, man, even even a, a a big upgrade from Bernie. But uh, having him in our in our room just adds to our plethora and our abundance of 
freak hybrids that we can put anywhere on the field besides maybe defensive tackle. But um, I would like to see him personally uh, as an outside linebacker in the burning role, like I stated before. Um, you know, just have him out there being versatile, being able to help us on defense. Um, I'm excited about him. I'm excited. And plus, um, I think um, Dan Moon is doing a great job, bro, uh, of going into Alabama and taking those players. Because when you look at it, Arguably, our most productive players have come from Alabama the last few years. You got Kadarius Toney, who was our everything last year, LaMichael Piran, and Diabete. And I'm expecting Scoop uh, Williams to be, you know, a great player as well. But Damon's doing his thing out there in Bama, bro. And also throwing Jeremiah Moon into that mix. Maybe he can – I'm hearing he's healthy and he looks great right now. So if he can put it all together this year, that's another guy from the Hoover area. And yep. I'm glad and speaking of Mahmoud Diabati, I'm glad you brought him up because guess who hosted Shamar James on his official visit? Diabati. Yep. Yes, sir. So you we had to give him also a lot of credit for reeling in that commitment because yeah. I mean this this is a guy that again left this let the city of Auburn so let the state of Alabama he came down to Florida you mentioned Scooby Williams we mentioned Jeremiah Jeremiah uh, not Jeremiah um J- yeah Jeremiah Moon Darius mm-hmm. Sony and Michael P Ryan yep. all from the state of Alabama and for the fans that listen to this show and on the timeline that don't believe Shamar James had a legitimate committable offer from Alabama he did Saban wanted this guy bad didn't so, didn't they have him in the front seat of the of his car and stuff like he had uh oh boy, yeah like he had Isaiah Bond yeah Isaiah yeah so yeah this is a kid that Saban wanted so we're just gonna get that out of the way right now yes Alabama wanted him that was his top two for a reason those are the two schools he's looking at and what I love about him is I heard I saw he was quoted as saying he wants it's easy yes it's basically easy to go to Alabama right away but he wants to be part of the team that beats them. He wants to beat Alabama. He wants to show that, yeah, you can leave the state and play against Alabama and beat them. So you have an alpha dog like him coming in on the defensive side of the ball, and you combine him with the way Nick Evers is recruiting right now. This could be a great class that we can build. Definitely, definitely, bro. Um, I think we have some guys coming um, – not too sure, but I'm I'm feeling really good. I'm pretty good with my intuition on recruiting. I'm feeling really, really good about a few guys. Uh, specifically, it's going to surprise people, but I'm feeling good about Walter Nolan, bro. Uh, look at the last few times we've had, you know, parent issues. Those kids that had those issues ended up being Gator. You have Jacob Copeland. Uh, Gerald Willis was going to be a great Gator, but, you know, everything turned out that way with him. And uh, who was other? Oh, CC Jefferson with his dad getting the uh, letter of intent in. So I'm feeling I'm feeling really good about Walter Nolan, bro. Yeah, I I am as well. And you mentioned the parent issues. I mean, oh god, yeah, yeah. We're no one to dive too much into that, but let's just say uh, when one of your parents went to a certain school, you know he wants his son to go to that school. So that's all I say on that. But. This is a kid I think is going to make his own decision. He's going to go where he wants to go, and um, I mean, I don't, I don't believe it'll be an issue in the end. I know he's taking visits to Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia this week, and truth be told, I wouldn't be surprised if he made a decision after those visits. Mm. But I mean, it's just going to come when it comes. Another guy I feel really great on 
is Terrence Gibbs. And oh, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. this is a guy, is a four-star running back from, all, from the Winter Park area, mm. I think is could commit any minute. Uh, it, he can commit right now while we're doing the show. Yeah, and, yeah. And by the way, if he does, we'll break that news on here, if he does. So that's another guy I feel great on. And we also had on campus – Florida fans, this is a very familiar name. If you if you remember, you'll remember. Elijah Blaze, grad transfer from Texas A&M. Yes, sir. Cornerback yes, was on campus this weekend, and that's another guy I think can um, I think may end up coming in. If he does come in, he brings depth. He brings experience. He's a physical corner, so that's a guy that hey, whether he starts or not. It's great to have him in the locker room, have him on the team because, as I said, he brings depth. And we're we're kind of thin at the cornerback position. Mm-hmm. I know we got Jadarius Perkins. He's going to be on campus soon, and he can play corner. He can play nickel. He can play the star role. And I know the one Black's been working at the star role and that linebacker as well. You yes. have freshman Jason Marshall. It's it's going to be a battle, and you have Jaden Hill. So it's going to be a battle for who gets that second spot opposite Kyrie Elam because you know that spot is locked down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in my opinion, bro, if, if Blades comes in, he's, in my opinion, he's going to take that, that CB2 spot. Uh, Jason Marshall will be right there. Um, Jaden Hill is a guy that I think can take a huge leap. Uh, it's pretty much his spot to lose, but, I mean, I haven't seen enough from him to be able to say, oh, it's his job secured. So, you know, I'm concerned about him and his development. But I think he's going to be fine with Jules and everything and Crime Dog. But uh, Elijah Blades, bro, he's a guy that has SEC experience. He's shown that he can cover some of the top receivers in the country. So uh, I'm, I'm down to have him. I know a lot of Gator fans are kind of, you know, down on him because of our previous experiences with him. But, the kid is a is a good player, you know. He's a dog, so I, I'm willing to have him. Yeah, that's a guy I would definitely be willing to have on campus. I mean, for all the reasons you just articulated, and there was a couple of other guys on campus. So we had Alex McPherson, the kicker, that that was on campus. Of course, that's the brother, the younger brother of Evan McPherson. I think mm. he has the Auburn and. Considering the fact that we had kicker Trey Smack from Maryland commit today, I think that pretty much shows you that Alex McPherson is is headed elsewhere. Yep, yep, yep. We got us one, and uh, I'm glad we got one. (laughs) And if if you saw the video, dude got a leg. Oh, my God, yeah. That's all I'm going to tell you. The guy's got a leg. And he's rated as one of the top punters also. Not just kickers, rated as one of the top punters as well. So maybe he could be a kicker and a punter for us. And he's he's a pretty big kicker as well, if you look mm-hmm. at him. Yeah, he is. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's bigger than I thought he was. Maybe he could be – some of the older Gator fans remember this guy. Maybe a Matt Petrovich type player where, you know, he kicks off and then he's the first guy making the tackle. Which I, I think- used to love seeing. I used to love seeing that growing up. I'm not going to lie. Really? Yeah. Every, every single time, you know, he kicks off and he's literally the first guy there making all the tackles. It was great to see. He's like, wow, we got a kicker that can actually tackle and not one that's just throwing his body out there. <laughs> yeah. And so, 
now the the dead period is coming up soon. So mm-hmm. we're not going to have guys on campus really too much, too much more. Oh, I think cool. it's from, I want to say from this up until I think July 28th or something like that around that time period. And for, I think we may have Friday night lights after that. So if we do have the Friday night lights event, you're going to see a lot of prospects on campus for that event. Okay. Right enough. Every every year, Friday Night Lights is one of our biggest. Well, is our biggest event of the off season. We always get some, you know, a lot of talent in the swamp. Um, some guys, some guys end up going to teams like Alabama and Georgia and whatnot. But uh, it is what it is. It's still a great event, and uh, hopefully, we get some talent. Yeah, and and you and you bring up guys coming to that event going to Alabama. I'll never forget what Jerry Judy did to Jerry did that Judy. night. And it was it was to a current no. <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I'm thinking once I thinking, we got to find somewhere to get this dude on campus. Don't let this dude leave campus until he commits. Yeah, but then but... once Alabama came calling, it was pretty much a wrap. And this... all they had to do was sell Amari Cooper and Calvin Ridley, and that was the ball game right there. Yeah, yeah, and which, uh, which they can do. I mean, those are South Florida receivers that are first round picks, and they're productive in the league. Yeah, bro. Like, I mean, if you're a wide receiver coming from South Florida or anywhere, and Saban offers you, all they gotta do is just show you what he's produced. I mean, he produced the the only wide receiver Heisman winner in the last I don't know how many years. I mean, it speaks for itself. So I think he was the first one since Desmond Howard. Since Desmond, yeah, exactly. Since Desmond Howard, bro, like you can't, you can't even, you can't even fault any any player for <laughs> deciding to go to Alabama as a receiver. Yeah, I mean, as a former receiver, if I see that, I'm thinking, uh, why wouldn't I want to go there? I mean, they've had first round picks really the last what four or five years. Yeah, I bro. mean, Florida's had some guys drafted, but the number of guys Alabama's put in the league. It's insane. Yeah, like going to Alabama as a as a wide receiver, you're going third round at worst. Like as of the past few years, you're going third round at worst if you're productive and you're starting. It's incredible what they do with these guys. Yeah, you're and like you say you're going third round at worst, and guess what? You're still going to be productive. Exactly. It don't even matter. It don't even matter where you go. You're going to do well. So it's hard to dispute, bro. Yeah, and um. And then, and speaking of recruiting, Tyler, we know Tyler Booker is taking the tour, going on campus, different campuses. Mm-hmm. He still remains my absolute number one target in this class. But mm-hmm. there was a guy we offered, I think, from the North Carolina area that I was talking to somebody about named Jacob Hood that we just recently offered. Jacob Hood. This, this is a kid who's six eight, and I think three hundred and fifteen pounds. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me see. Is this is this the kid? Jacob Hood. Yeah, okay. I think he's from the North Carolina area. Humongous, humongous yeah, kid. Yeah, this is a big kid. So, if we're able, whether we're able to get Tyler Booker or not, I looked at the film on this kid, and all I'm gonna say is this: get this. Giant monster on my campus immediately. 
And when I say immediately, I mean, can you pass him through now so he can play right tackle for us right now? Oh, God. Yeah, this is a big kid, bro. This is a big kid. This is a big kid with a mean streak and great athleticism. High upside. Very high upside. He's already a four-star recruit. So if he perform if he performs well in camps and during the season, oh my god, yeah, he's he's gonna get a huge bump in the rankings. Oh my god, I'm watching. Um, I just found him on um on Twitter watching some clips. My goodness, I mean his feet. This kid is an athlete. This kid is an athlete, and uh, yeah, get him on my campus. He is stoning guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He definitely is. Like that was a guy. I, I remember the offer. I was like, okay. This this is an interesting offer because I mean I saw he was a four star and didn't know we were gonna know, know much about him. Then I turned on the film. It was just the first. It was I wasn't even thirty seconds into the film and I was like I'm sold. I'm but sold it, already. What do you what do you think like our chances are with him though? Because I see UJ and uh, Miami as top two choices. Well, I know he's wide open now, and from what I was told, the Florida offer was a huge offer for him. So he's. He's definitely considering us. I think he's planning on visiting some sometime soon. I don't know is this month. It's definitely not going to be this month because dead period is coming up. Mm-hmm. But I think next month when the dead period is lifted, I expect to see him on campus. I don't know how many times, but I definitely expect to see him on campus, and I think we'll get an official visit out of him. I hope so. It seems like the past few years, bro, we have this great, this great offseason up to, like, July. And then – you know, I guess during the dead period, we can't ever close close anything down, you know, and that's kind of where like Georgia and Alabama and sometimes LSU would just take over and get a step ahead of us and then close on signing day. Uh, so I hope we can convert this year, bro, because we have so much momentum right now. If we can get somebody to commit right now, like a, a big time, you know, top 50 guy to commit right now, uh, that'd be huge for us going into the dead period. I'll say this. If we were to get a commitment out of Walter Nolan, first of all, shockwaves that will send across the country. Yeah. But second of all, you, as you know, because you follow recruiting also. Yeah. Great players want to play with other great players. Oh, yeah. So a guy, a five-star guy like Walter Nolan committing could cause a domino effect. It could pretty much – build this class into one of the top three classes in the country. I think if he commits to Florida and he signs with us and he shuts it down and starts recruiting for us, mm. we could end up having the top three, top four class. Now, uh, have you heard that we, we've we offered um, Damari, Damari Henderson and Jakari Henderson. Do you know uh, much about those two guys? I don't know much. I'm going to I'm gonna sit down and look at the film on both of them, but okay. – um, I, I saw that earlier tonight, and they're physically they look like pretty good. They look like pretty well built prospects. So it's I'm glad they're it's, they're 2023 guys, aren't they, or 2022? I believe they are. Twi- yeah, 2022. Jakar Henderson is 2022, and I think his brother as well. Um, both of those guys are also basketball players. So. Uh, I mean, yeah, I was... so yeah, expand. They're expanding the board, so I, yeah. I, I can, I can, I can see that. Yeah, they're definitely going to expand the board. So, yeah, those are two guys that I'm definitely going to look at and see and look at the film. But mm-hmm. I mean, them being in-state guys, 
You always want to keep the best talent in state because clearly Jacksonville is being a problem right now. I'm gonna, oh, I'm uh, gonna bring, unfortunately bring up Trayon Webb because <laughs> he released the top three today, consisted of Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. I'm gonna go ahead right now and say if I had a crystal ball prediction on on 24/7 Sports, I would put it in for Ohio State for him. Bro, I don't understand the, the, the whole thing with uh, these kids from Jacksonville going to Ohio State. It's, it's weird. I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. I do, but I'm not going to divulge into it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, for some reason, because Jaheim Singletary is committed there. Oh, he's a lock. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a bomb on you. There is no much, way. He's not as much of a lock as you think he is. There is no way. I, it's not for it's not Florida. You know, yeah, we're going after them, but it's not Florida. Not Georgia. Yes, it is. That's the school to watch for him. God, bro, I can't. Yeah, do, bro. That's uh, Georgia, Georgia and Miami are after him hard, but more so Georgia. Like Georgia's been really up in their pursuit of him. But I don't understand it, bro. I don't understand if you're a kid, if you're a kid trying to play cornerback. When, no, no disrespect to Georgia and uh, Kirby and everything, but why, why Georgia over Ohio State or anywhere else? Like, I, I don't get it. Or Alabama, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I can see Ohio State, but I don't know about Georgia. Yeah, bro, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it. I don't get it. Yeah, Ohio State's produced some DBs in the league. They got Denzel Ward. In the league, you know, they produced Marshawn Lattimore, Malcolm Jenkins. They produced a lot of great, a lot of really good DBs in the league. Mm. So I, I can see that. And the crazy thing about Trayon Webb is he actually wants to play running back. They're, the schools that he's looking at are recruiting him to play running back. And I know Florida's recruiting him to play running back as well. Really? Yeah. So. I think that's the position he's going to end up playing. I know he's listed as an athlete, so I think he's going to end up playing running back. That's going to be interesting to see. That's going to be interesting to see. So, if it's those three schools, I can see why now. Where do you see Travis Shaw going? I see he has Clemson, uh, North Carolina, and Georgia. Um, You know, North Carolina kid. I think you'll be watching him to go to UNC or Clemson, really. But, I mean, what do you think about him and where he's going? I think he's headed to Clemson, to be honest. Yeah. Because I know, I know they, they've been after him. They've been after him a, a long time. So, mm. that's that's the kid that I'm telling you right now, I would not be shocked at all to see him, to see him go to, to see him go to, Georgia, not Georgia, um, Clemson. Another trench, another trench monster for Clemson. Yeah. They produce him, boy. And... And transitioning from recruiting to the team, is there a player besides the ones we've named? Mm. Is there a player that we have not discussed that you're looking forward to seeing? Or so, who is it? Any position? Any position. Bro, I've been waiting to see Gerald Mincy. I I really want to see what the kid can do. Uh, He has tremendous size. I remember watching his film out of high school. Great feet. Um, He can't be any worse than... You know, <laughs> so I'm I'm trying I'm trying to figure out you know what what's he gonna do? I, I really want to see what he can do for us. Yeah, yeah, that that that's a good pick. 
because I I mean I think that's the guy that once he gets in the game, he's gonna end up being a mauler for us. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna be one of those guys that's going once he gets his hands on you, yeah, it, it's pretty much over. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like the kid, the kid is a a, a freak athlete. So I, I really want to see what he can do. Um, another guy, you know, he's been a talk since what two, three years ago. But um, I saw this picture of uh, you know, we had to run the t- the team had to run stadiums. Uh, what was it like last week for losing to LSU at home? Yeah. And um, you know, I saw the picture with the linebackers, Ventrell and everybody. But yeah. just seeing Dewan Black like just cheesing after running the whole bro, I can't even walk up a, a flight of stairs at the swamp without getting tired. But seeing Dewan Black so ecstatic in that picture, bro, it just it, it really told a lot. Like a picture says a thousand words. Uh that kid is gonna be special. He is gonna be a special player. Um, I believe he's gonna be one of the best linebackers we've had, you know, of the past decade. Um, Dewan, Dewan's a, he's going to be a guy, bro. He's going to be that guy. Yeah, I saw that picture and saw him laughing. I was like, and, and I didn't talk, I didn't talk to him this way. I wanted to, I wanted to be like, I wanted to ask, bro, what made you start laughing? No, after running all those stadiums. Seriously. Because I know when we, when I played football, we ran stadiums when none of us laughing. After bro, stadiums stadiums. We was trying to look for the water. Yeah. Like we trying to look for the water, not not just to drink it. We drank a little bit of water, but we trying to pour it over us to cool down. Exactly. This man exactly. is sitting here straight laughing after running all those stadiums. You know the swamp is a huge stadium. Bro, it's huge. And they ran all those stadiums and he's laughing. I was like, Yeah, we 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 got us one. We no. definitely got us one. <laughs> I swear, bro, I thought the same thing. I was like, y'all. This kid, I think he's it. I think he's it. Like seriously. Like first of all, he's not human to be laughing after running all them stadiums. You're not human. It just ain't no way, bro. It just ain't no way. For for me, a guy that we haven't discussed that I'm looking forward to seeing play, mm-hmm. if and when he gets on the field, that's gonna be Keon Zipper. Oh we yeah. Really discussed him much. But Keon Zipper, I'm interested to in see what role he plays because I'm not sure if he's going to be the number one guy. Like, whenever you put the starting lineup up, you know how when you watch CNN, not CNN, CBS, they put the starting lineups up there, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if his name is going to be on that starting lineup, but I nah. think he's going to play starters minutes. And I'm interested in seeing how they move him around. Like, does he play with his hand dirt at the end of the line? Does he line up in the backfield? They put him in the slot, split him out wide. I wonder how they use him because I think he can be used in a multitude of ways. Because even though he's not as he's not a the physical freak that Kyle Pitts was, yeah, basically Megatron type vibes with him. Mm. He's not that, but he's a guy that's very athletic. He's got great feet and he's got great hands. Yeah, yeah, he showed yeah. it last year, last year in the Georgia game, last year in the Arkansas game. He's got great hands and he's a guy that can make plays. So yeah. I want to see how really that combination of him and Kamari Gamble work because I think both of those guys is going to take both of those guys to make up for the production that you're going to be losing from Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I agree, bro. Um, you know, I watched um, a few clips recently of just, you know, Emory and seeing how he, you know, did and trying to, you know, grasp 
how we'll utilize him specifically and how he'll play. And while watching that, I noticed Keon Zipper. And every time you watch clips of Emery, you know, running the ball, you see Keon Zipper get a hat on somebody every single time. I mean, every single time. Like, the kid is an elite blocker. So I think Dan Mullen knows what he has. You know, he, he always knows how to get the best out of his offensive players. I think Keon Zipper is going to be a guy that, you know, uh, comes into his own as a as a run as a run blocker. And, you know, within the run game, I think we'll be able to utilize him in drag routes and et cetera. I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be a heck of a player for us. And um, he's going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted. He's, he's a he's a really, really good prospect. And he's a dog, bro. I like him. And speaking of Emory Jones, we posted that video on Twitter for a reason. Oh man! It was really for all the ones that claim he can't, he throw. can't throw. He can't throw. He can't read defense. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, they can't throw crowd. That's pretty much <laughs> most of what you saw. You saw a few runs in there, but for the most part, it was him throwing dimes. Yeah, on the money. Yep. That, that's pretty much what you saw, and that's that's going to be an element to this offense that I I definitely can't wait to see, because as I said, I have him down for forty five total touchdowns. You know. 34 passing, 11 rushing. I, I, I'm going to stand in the paint with that. If it happens, great. You heard it here first. If not, hey, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what 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 caused that not to happen. But I think his, just his ability alone to run is, like I said, going to give defenses nightmares. And I saw something where there were some people saying, well, Florida's wide receiver group may not be as good as it was last year. Yes, they lost Trayvon Grimes. Yes, they lost Kyle Pitts. Van Jefferson's been gone for two years now. I mean, we mm. understand that. But if you look at the guys that have played that are coming back, the Jacob Copelands, the Xavier Hendersons, the Trent Whittemores, guys like that, Kamari Gamble. I'll throw the tight ends in. Kamari Gamble, mm. Keon Zipper, the guys coming back. These guys all have experience. They have played. And they're ready to step into these roles that they're gonna have. Yep. And for me, I, I, all, we also posted on the account clips of Xavier, a clip of Xavier Henderson. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that I, I, I'm just going to record saying I think Jacob Cope is going to lead the team and catches yards and touchdowns. Xavier okay. Henderson is going to be right behind. Him. Yeah, definitely. I can see that because Xavier Henderson is going to be that big play. He's definitely going to be that big play guy. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to use Copeland. They're going to split them out wide mostly, but I think they're going to kind of use them a little bit like they use Kadarius Sony as well. Yeah. But is what in doing that, that's what's going to allow Xavier Henderson to be that big play threat that can get down the field, go up and catch the ball, and come down with it because I don't see a defensive back out jumping him with his athleticism. Yeah, man, he, he's a freak athlete. I mean, I think um, a few times just watching him catch balls in the season, He's he's very deceptively strong. Like he has strong hands, and the kid is just he, he's like his brother, you know, just a freak, a freak of nature. So uh, I think having you know this off season, having him with Savage, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be a monster. He's gonna be a problem. But I must also say, bro, nine oh four. Do not forget Rick Wells. Do not forget Rick Wells. Rick Wells has been at Florida since I was in high school. <laughs> the kid, you know, uh, not he's not a kid in the way he's a grown man, but um, he's been there. He's seen the, the great receivers that we've had. 
And um, oddly, he has really, really good chemistry with Emory Jones from what I've seen, you know, in uh, various games. So don't sleep on him. I think he's going to be a guy that catches a lot of clutch balls for us with, with this experience. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And um, my, my question for you is, uh-huh. besides Rick Wells and the notable guys, which wide receiver – are you really looking most forward to seeing besides the normal guys that we have? Marcus Burke. Oh, really? Marcus Burke. Fam, Marcus Burke, he's a speedster. He's a dog. He has attitude. He has strong hands. He's from Duval. Marcus Burke is going to be the wide receiver to watch on that unit. I think he's going to take somebody's place too. Watch out for that kid. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, they've and they've said he's already impressing. He's already impressing everybody, already. He just got there. He just bro, got there this summer. He's insane, bro. He's insane. Like his breakaway speed is, is second to none. Seriously. And he's another guy that can go up and get the ball. So, yeah, the kind of receivers you're seeing Billy Gonzalez recruit and bring in, these are big wide receivers go that get. can run. Yep. I mean, just look at the look at the guys we're recruiting right now. Dan Mullen is trying to put together the fastest team in the country. Oh like, yeah, like these these are giving me Urban Meyer vibes with the kind yeah of dude yeah we're bringing in. It's going to be track practice. Yeah, pr- pretty pretty much. And as CJ yeah. Smith said in his commitment note, yeah, he's running track too. So that tell you everything you need to know about how fast mm-hmm. these guys are. Yep, yep. And on top, and, and like we say, he runs a ten to eight hundred meters. Yeah, get that on my track, please. Yes, I'm tired of Arkansas yeah. and LSU winning. SEC and national championships. I'm sick of seeing that. It's it's time for us to take that back over. Yeah, we need to. And speaking of which, for the one saying Mike Holloway wasn't doing his part recruiting the kid. Yes, he was. He just coping. He just coaching the U.S. Olympic track team as well. Man got plenty of jobs that he got to worry about right now. Uh, definitely, definitely. And, and for me, another guy I'm looking forward to seeing is along this defensive line. Uh-huh. And it's two guys, actually. Okay. The two transfer tackles. Antonio oh. Valentino and Daquan Newkirk. They're going to eat, bro. They're going to eat. Yeah, you combine them with Gervin Dexter, and if he's able to, and if he's able to keep his weight down and, and stay in shape and actually play, Desmond Watson, yeah, mm. good luck blocking those guys. That's all now, I'll say. Now, where do you, where do you see Jalen Lee and uh, – and, uh, Humphreys in the rotation. Do you see them as you know getting valuable minutes or? Uh, I think Jalen Lee could get play, get some playing time. I don't know how much. Yeah, you know because you got two transfers in and Gervin's already playing. Mm. So I don't know how much. And then they they actually really like Desmond Watson, but I don't know how much he'll get. And Jalen Humphreys, he might be able to play if he can stay healthy because health has been. His issue since he got on campus. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he got some playing time last year, especially against um, Texas A&M. I mean, he did okay. Uh, but other than that, you know, I haven't really seen much of him. He's kind of been a ghost on campus. Yeah, it's just the the, in, the injuries have kind of derailed his um his development, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, those, those are two guys that I'm looking forward to seeing. Chris Bolg, I think he makes a jump as well. Oh. I mean, we have so many guys on this front seven that are versatile, 
that can get after the quarterback, that can, that can cause mismatches, like different mismatches for mm. everybody. So for any offensive line. So I, I'm interested in seeing the rotation because some it's some guys that we're going to be like, well, wow, why why is he not playing? Yeah. Because yep. you got guys that are really good that are already playing. Exactly, exactly. Now, I have a question for you about uh, the coaching staff. Um, okay. What coach? What coaches do you see having the most impact on us offensively and defensively? So just choose one on both sides of the ball. Which ones do you think are gonna, you know, do do the best for us this year? Have a breakout performance. Um. Offensively, I'm gonna say Garrick McGee. Yep, I agree. I agree. And defensively. Is no question whatsoever. Wesley McGriff, crime dog. Crime dog. Crime dog. There's no Same question whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you look at the way he's coached his DBs since he's been a coach. They're aggressive. They're physical. They they get in your face. They're not – like these they, these guys are not going to be playing 14 yards off the ball. That yeah. I, I promise you that. that. That ain't happening. Yeah, yeah. I think, bro, I really think that having Garrett McGee, it truly fits the guys we brought in. Like, a guy like Travez Johnson, Travez is born to be a press, nickels, you know, play close to the line of scrimmage safety, play physical, play fast. That kid, he was balling out, you know, with what we had last year. So, I expect him to take a massive leap. Um, And another guy I think is going to be a breakout player on defense for us this year is Kamar Wilcoxon. People forget Kamar, this is supposed to be his first year on campus. He reclassified. He yeah. on 20 pounds. Uh, he made a few plays last year uh, when he got a chance to. And I always look at that as a, as a telltale sign. What kids get the most involved in you know, meaningless playing time, I guess. Every time he went out there, he did something. Kamar is going to be a heck of a player. Man, I love Kamar Wilcoxon, man. I think I agree 100% with you. I think this is a guy that not only makes a leap this year and plays a good amount of minutes, but the minutes he does get, he's going to make a huge impact out there. He can make noise. He's, he's gonna, I think he's going to be one of those guys where if they throw at him, he's pretty much going to – he might come down with, with interception. I think he can force fumbles. Oh, yeah. I, I could see him having a – I don't want to compare him to this guy. I'm not comparing him to this guy, people. I'm not making this comparison. I'm just talking about the kind of impact he can make. Of course. A Chauncey Gardner-Johnson type impact. Oh, yeah, for sure. For I sure. think definitely in the future he's going to be that kind of guy. He yep. has the ability already. You already know that if he doesn't – if you haven't seen him, he'll talk some trash if he, if he wants to. He he'll same. do that. Yep. And he has the ability to back it up. Yep. So I think he's I think he's gonna have that kind of impact whenever he does get out there. I agree. I agree. And um, you know, I, I've been watching his progress since he got on campus, and uh, he's uh he's a guy that you know he wants to play so bad, he wants to make a difference so bad, and I think him having the opportunity to seize that, the sky's the limit for Kamar. I think he can you know be a guy that continues our our DBU legacy. I mean, the kid's extremely talented, so. I'm I'm excited for him. Yeah, and another guy I'm excited to see 
is actually at the linebacker position. It's Derek Wingo. Okay. I'm, I'm excited to see him play because I feel like this is a kid that very, is very athletic. I think what it was last year, him having COVID kind of – that kind of derailed his progress also. Because mm-hmm. he, he just he just didn't – he couldn't really get back in the football shape. Yeah. And let me tell you right now, somebody that had COVID, oh, he could do a lot to you. It does a lot to you. I've heard, man. I'm tell you right now, it does a lot to you. I mean, it it drains your energy. You can't. You really don't want to do anything. I mean, it, so I know. I know what he was going through. I know exactly what he was going through. So, th- this is a guy that I feel like when he's fully healthy and when he gets out there, he's gonna be one. He's gonna be an alpha dog. He's gonna be one of them leaders. One of those guys that ends up being one of the team leaders. Not not this year because Ventura is that guy right now. Oh yeah, but definitely. Definitely in the future. He's gonna be the alpha dog of the defense. I can definitely yeah. see it. Him and Tyron Hopper. Gotta throw him yeah. in there too. I agree. I agree. Both of those guys have the ability to just make plays. Um I'm you know, I'm hoping C Rob develops them enough uh this season and beyond because those kids are guys that have so much talent to just make a difference for us. So um I'm excited to see them. Um I think uh I mean, he's not a new player, but uh, LeCedric Brunson was a guy that played a lot in 20, uh, 2019. And to me, he seemed like a, you know, a pretty solid tackler, but we didn't see much of him last year. So I'm interested in seeing how, you know, we utilize him in the rotation this year. Yeah, I am as well. I, and I saw the little Father's Day thing that um, the football Twitter account did for him, which is, really? which is a great story. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you go look at it. It's it's great to watch. It's a great story, and you you can see you can tell that that's the guy that has a great head on his shoulders as well. Yeah. So with or without football, I think that's the guy that's going to be very successful in, in yeah. life. And that and regard yes, you want these guys to have great football careers, but regardless of that, you want these guys more importantly to be successful in life. And he's yeah. going to be one of those guys. Now, yeah. now speaking of which, speaking of which, the success being successful. Which game, besides the Alabama game, we can't pick that game, we can't pick the Georgia game. Okay. Besides those two games, because we know those are the two most important games on our schedule. Besides those two games, which is the most important game on the schedule to you? <sighs> most important game, bro. Every game's important. Every game's yeah, important. True. But, man, every year, for me, as a Gator fan, you know, I look at the schedule. The first game I look at is LSU every year. That game, ha- it holds the most weight for me because the the DBU title is something that I hold sacred myself. Uh, and just beating them just gives me a sense of gratification. So I really feel like the LSU game is the most important game, especially with how we lost last year. You know, this year they'll be a better team, undoubtedly. But if we can go to Baton Rouge and beat them, I think that'll tell a lot about the attitude of our team and, you know, Damon's killer instinct because no coach, you know, with a killer instinct will be able to stand to lose to the same team three years in a row. I mean, it just, it just can't happen. So I think that game will be the defining game for us this year. 
I agree 100%. That mm. was the game I was going to definitely pick as well. Yeah. Simply because, unfortunately, you brought up last year. It just – it and just. It, it, and speaking of, speaking of that, because we're, we're going to get into this right, right here about last year's game. Because for me, this is what it was. Like, and I'm going to ask you this question. Mm. Did you get like a weird vibe from the from, since before yes. from before the game started, bro? Like, yeah. Did you have like a weird feeling that just something was off, bro? That entire game, bro. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. And it has nothing to do with the football team, but that that morning we like I don't even know. It's crazy. I was preparing to watch Florida versus FSU basketball, and when the whole Keontae thing went down, the whole day went to crap. Like I don't even know. It was weird. And so, you know, I'm still thinking about that. And, like, I feel like the whole team, like, the whole university was thinking about Keontae. And, you know, when the game started, I was like, okay, Kyle Pitts is sitting out, whatever. But I just got a sense that, like, LSU was going to play well. And then it started getting foggy. And I'm not going to lie to you, bro. When it got foggy, I knew. I was like, we're going to lose this game, bro. I just had a terrible feeling. I knew we were going to lose because we couldn't run the football. We couldn't run the football, and we couldn't stop nobody. And it being foggy outside, Kyle Trask ain't going to be able to, you know, do the things that he would normally do. So I'm like, yeah, we finna lose the game. We finna lose this game. Yeah, I had the same weird vibe. Like, it was, it started before the game. When they said mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts was out, I was like, you know what? It was weird, bro. Yeah, like, because I'm like, he, there's literally nothing wrong with him. It was so weird. <laughs> it's like, I'm thinking, like, why are you sitting him? Like, oh there's my. nothing wrong with him. Yeah. And like you said, when it got foggy, that's when it really got weird. And I'm like, okay, something just th- there was just something that just wasn't right the entire time. One thousand percent agree. One thousand percent. And it's like as the game keeps going on, then contrast those the pick six. I'm like. Oh well, I mean the interception, the interception that hit Kadarius Tony's hands and a dude like I was like, bro, what? Just crazy. Yeah, and like I, I just I didn't understand what was going on. It's like it was almost like we did everything we possibly could to lose the game. Yes, but at yes. the same time, we did everything we possibly could to win the game. So it, it was just it was just so weird watching that game, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, they we we couldn't get a stop all night. We could not get a stop all night long. Mm-hmm. And the one time we get a stop, a shoe gets thrown. <laughs> the one time we're about to get off the field. And a shoe gets thrown. I'm like, mm-hmm. you have got to be kidding me. We've been yep. on this defense all year long about how sorry they've been, about how they can't get stops. We finally get one, and that happened. And I'm like, you know what? At this point, I'm gonna just pray that we're... I'm gonna just pray that we get another stop. In this I was shook, bro. I was shook. I was shook. And um, you know, more than just that, uh, whenever. Just whenever you watch an LSU Florida game, I remember I think it was 2012 or 2013. Um, who was it? Uh, oh God, somebody was announcing the game. Who, what's the guy I'm looking for? It might have been Brad Nessler. I think it was Gary Danielson. Gary Danielson, oh. 
Gary Danielson said, and I, I'll never forget, he said, whichever team runs the ball better, whichever team has the most rushing yards in this in this game, typically wins every year. You know, I, I didn't think much of it at the time, but as I look back across the years, every year, the team with the most rushing yards, you look at it, 2012, Mike Gillisley. 2013, who was it? They had Kenny Hilliard that ran all over us? Yeah. 2014, Leonard Fournette ran all over us. 2015, Leonard Fournette ran all over us. 2016, LaMichael P. Ryan and Scarlett ran all over them. So I'm like, wait a second, bro. Think about it. Whichever team rushes for the most yards in that game typically wins. And last year, for some reason, they had they had a running back that was, ki- I mean, just killing us. I'm like, who was this guy? Because, you know, I, I didn't really pay attention to LSU much the whole season, but the kid tore us apart. And from that that point, I was like, we're probably going to lose this game. We have to outrush LSU to win that game every year. Yeah. And it's crazy. You bring up 2012. You know what's really funny about that game? What's that? Florida literally ran the same play 25 times in a row. Bro, yeah. Literally 25 times. I kid you not. They ran the same play 25 times in a row. LSU knew it was coming and still couldn't stop it. That's when you knew you had them beat. That demoralizes a defense. It does. Like when you know a certain play is coming and you can't stop it, that demoralizes you. I'm sorry. I mean, at that point, you know you're going to lose. And that was the year, if you remember, where we would have terrible first halves offensively. But the defense kept us in the game. And if we're down at halftime, it's like maybe 10 to 7. And we just – that was the year you knew going into the second half you was going to win the game. Thanks for saying them, bro. Yeah, and, and it was literally that game when we yeah. did that. It was like, okay, we know that if we get into a second half, it's a close game. No matter how pedestrian our offense might be, they can get it going in the second half and be somewhat average and pretty much win the game right there. Because you know, that- the, de- the, de- the defense was going to be good. We were yeah. literally saying that year – Offense, just score 20 points again. Just score 20 points. We're going to win. Yep. <laughs> because that was by far – that was that was one of the best defenses I've ever seen that didn't win a national championship. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Literally no doubt. And it's crazy because, like, you know, with everything that had gone on that year with us, you know, on offense, how bad we were on offense, watching the defense was more entertaining than anything, like, I was ready to see Matt Elam bust heads. I was ready to see Laurentian McCray come off the edge and kill a quarterback. But um, that Georgia game specifically, I really felt like, okay, we're going to come out in the second half and win this game. But when I tell you turnovers killed us more than anything, I think that was the game that I gave up on Jeff Jeff Driscoll. I was done with Jeff Driscoll after that game because, bro, we had every opportunity to beat Georgia and, you know, advance the SEC championship, really. And we couldn't seal it. So, I don't know, man. That was a tough time for me. I'll say this. What's funny is it really wasn't his fault that much. It wasn't. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. Yeah. We all know what happened. Yeah, bro. The doggone gold line. <laughs> when, uh, I te- when I tell you that, I almost cried. I did. That. Like, I when, did. when I tell you I was – that near that pretty much broke me as a fan. <laughs> it was right at the goal line. 
we were about to score, take the lead, and if we would have scored and took the lead right there, there was yeah. no way Georgia was scoring on us. I'm just be honest. They weren't yeah. scoring on us. They was not about to yeah. score on us. And when that happened, I was sick to my stomach. Yeah, bro, I was crushed. I was crushed, not going to lie. <laughs> but I'm glad you brought up Matt Elam that year because, and because as we're talking about the most important game on the schedule, we picked LSU. When he forced that fumble on Odell Beckham Jr., that changed Bro. the whole game. Bro. And if you remember, they ruled them down, and then they went and reviewed it, and they're like, okay, yeah, he fumbled. It's for the ball. Swamp went crazy. Bro, and the, the crazy thing about it is the, the refs, you know, caught it down. But the way Odell Beckham got off the ground, he knew he fumbled that ball. He knew. I was okay, I think it's going to be our ball. Because live action, you know. I saw Odell get up fast and Matt get it, and you know they're like, no, 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 he's down. But when they replayed it and showed that, like he wasn't, he wasn't down. I was like, bro, this man is insane, insane. That that was that was Matt Elam's defining game of his career. Like he ate that game. Yeah, yeah, he did. And um, I'll be honest, I'll be honest because we're talking about this. Mm. Honestly. It's always something weird that happens in that game. Yes. Something weird always happens. I don't know what it is, but it always seems like something weird happens and it either causes us to win the game or lose the game. Bro, we can we can go back and say all the years, bro, from 2010, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Like twenty, like we brought up twenty twelve, the fumble that we forced, but then running the ball twenty five times in a row, the same play twenty five times in a row. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned, you mentioned 2014, 2015 for that killing us, bro. Jennings, Brandon, twenty fourteen, bro. Freaking Brandon Jennings. I'm like, how do we not stop this guy, killing us? I mean, I, I was so upset, bro. I was so upset. Yeah, and then 2018, if we remember. No, uh, not 20, I'm going to go back to 2017. 2017. The field. Oh, my God, bro. A.B., bro, don't bring it up, bro. <laughs> oh, my God, bro. We, 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 we kind of have to, and I'm sorry, but you ought to be the one to break it. Oh, my God, dog. <laughs> it, look, it hurt me, too. Matter of fact, you know what? It was, it was before that, bro. I think it was before that. Duke Dawson got a clear interception. Eight, I mean, it was clear as day that he intercepted the ball. And they gave it to LSU for, like, a huge first down. So, watching it, I'm like, all right, bro, whatever. And then Eddie misses. Bro, a, a field goal? An extra point? Yeah, man, I mean. Ugh. Dog. An that, extra I, point cost us the game. That game hurt me so bad, bro. Like, I'm I'm just honestly sick of getting stunned by LSU like that, dog. It, it's just – it hurts. It hurts. I hate LSU, bro. God. I, I, I do. I do also. I, I can't – I don't know why. I don't know why. It, it always – it's like I said, it's always something that happens. And, and then we bring up 2018. Yep. 2018, <laughs> the interception by Brad Stewart. Dog. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. I was in my dorm room, and, like, a whole bunch of guys was watching the game with me. And when Joe threw it, bro, I was like, oh, God. 
And then Brad made he made an NFL caliber play break on that ball. And when he took it to the crib, I was shook. I was absolutely shook. Crazy. Yeah, I I, I was and being in the stadium for that game. My gosh. Like I I can tell you at that time when that happened, that was the loudest I'd ever heard the swamp. Wow. At that time. Now, wow. I say at that time for a reason, because the very next year, 2019 against Auburn, that was the loudest. I can tell you right now, that's the loudest I've ever heard that say ever. Oh, P. Ron's run. Yeah, when, when I tell you my ears were ringing. Yeah. And the stadium was shaking when that moment happened. I'm t- It was absolutely insane in that Wow. And if you, and if you look at the videos, because you know they post the video on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Like her name, I think her name is her name is Olivia Granola. By the way, mm-hmm. it's her birthday today, Olivia. If you listen to this, happy oh, birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Uh, happy birthday to you. She posted the clip of the of the run, and you can just hear the crowd. He breaks one tackle, they get louder, they're getting louder, and then he broke that second tackle into the clear. That's when you hear the crowd just go absolutely yep. nuts. Yep. But in getting back to this, the, you you say the LSU game. I agree as well. Mm. Is there a game on the schedule that you would say this is the one game we definitely cannot take lightly? Besides <laughs> the obvious games, we can't pick the obvious games. Bro, honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Missouri because, bro, it don't matter who they have on their team. Missouri is always a team that gives us like weird, weird issues. Just weird issues. And like I think they actually have a winning record against us since since they've been in the SEC, or maybe we're tied now, but definitely watch out for Missouri. I don't care who they have on their roster. I don't care what coach they have. Just watch out for that game. It's gonna be at Missouri. We play Sanford the week before, and then we have Florida State the week after. So coming off of Sanford, you know, they're gonna be kind of Lax looking ahead to FSU, so just watch out for Missouri, bro. Missouri gonna be a game to watch out for. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I agree. For some reason, some weird stuff always happens when we play them too. Yeah, bro, it, like, it's just insane. Like I, I hate to bring this up because to this day, this game still pisses me off. Twenty fourteen when we played them. How can you sit here and tell me if you would have told me the defense would literally give up only 120 yards of total offense to the opponent? You would think we dominated this game, right? Bro. Oh my god, bro. We do we give up 120 yards of total offense and lose oh, 41 man. to 14. You bring up some funny memories, bro. Some funny memories. Oh my god. This day, I don't even understand how we 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 lost that game, giving up that that little yardage. Dog, the turnover. I went back and watched a few of the turnovers. Jeff Driscoll got harassed. Like it was bad. I think he threw like a, a, a just a, a air ball pick. Just threw it up there. Dude took it back to the crib. Somebody came off the uh, the left side, I believe. I think it was the left side and just sacked him, got the ball. 
what was that Shane Ray? Wasn't it? I think his name was Shane Ray, right? Yeah. Shane Ray. They had another guy, uh, Golden, maybe. Um, is it Marcus Golden? I think that was him. Tore us up. Tore, I mean, tore us up. So it wasn't much we could do with that, bro. I mean, it was crazy. There are rumors that there was something else going on with Jeff Driscoll. We're not going to divulge into it. Was he about to transfer? Was he already no, ready? No, to it, it, was, it wasn't that. It oh, wasn't gosh. that. But, I yeah, I ain't going to Let's just say, quote, unquote, something going on with him. Oh, wow. He had to be selling, bro. There's no way you could play that bad. Yeah, they, I, I, I didn't agree. I didn't, I didn't understand that game at all. But, yeah, I agree, though. Missouri is also a game that we can't take lightly. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter who's on the team. It doesn't matter where the game is played. Like, that, that's the team that they, they give us problems. I mean, think about it. 2018, they came to Gainesville and pretty much, they they pretty much stepped on us. Yeah. <laughs> they did. They bullied us pretty bad, bro. They yeah. bullied us. Yeah, they were gator chomping all throughout the game. I'm thinking, like, wow. I mean, I mean, we, <laughs> we, we, lost, we lost to Georgia and we pretty much – they came out the next week and laid an egg. And that, I think that's when Kyle Trask came in. Yeah, that was the game where he came that's in. What I and knew. Everybody was like, uh maybe he should be the quarterback because what a lot of was what a lot of people, I'm pretty sure a lot of people know this now, but back then they didn't know this. It was at that moment Kyle Trask was actually finna take over. Yep. And then yep. he broke his foot in practice. Yep. Exactly. And once he broke his foot in practice, that's when Felipe kind of – I, I, you know what's funny? That's what's crazy because that's when Felipe kind of turned it on right there. It's like he, he's pretty much thinking, damn, I almost lost my job. Pushing the crowd and carrying on, bro. And, and, and to this day, I always said this. I always said this. For him to shush the home crowd, this is going to be controversial, but it's the truth when you really think about all the crap he went through. He had every single right to do it. Yeah. He had yeah. every single right to do it because all the crap that a lot of fans gave him, what they were saying to him on social media, what they were saying to him. Me included. Yeah, yeah you included. I saw something got tweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of, a lot of y'all got out of pocket. Some of them got personal. They talking about the man mama saying yeah, he should go kill himself, things like that. Like, why would you say that? <laughs> Like, how are you gonna tell somebody yeah. to go kill themselves? Like, why would you do that? Like, yeah. like a lot of people don't know like what some something like that could do to a player mentally. Not for real, for real. So, so that's why I always say he had every single right to do the do what he did. If it mm. would be, I would have shushed the crowd too. Yeah, definitely, bro. Like, I'm gonna be completely honest. A lot yeah. of emotion. You said, go ahead. Said a lot of emotion built up and anger that he had because you know Felipe. I knew when he blocked me in like 26, maybe 2017, I was like, yeah, he wanted them players to search their name and, you know, he takes it personally. So um, he definitely was reading everybody's tweets. So OVO, as they called him, he was he was, uh, he was ready for the smoke, bro. Yeah, he was. He was shushing, y'all. Yeah, yeah, he, he was. was. Ready, he was ready for all of it. But, and, but like I said, I, I didn't blame him. I mean, I mean he, he like this man went through a lot. He did. And, and I was glad. And when he transferred, yeah, it, it, I'm not going to lie, I hurt to see him transfer, but 
I was just glad to see he was very successful. And when they came back, and when Arkansas came back and played us, you could see after the game, the Florida players, they still love him. Like, yeah. And you and if you talk to him, he'll tell you himself, he still loved Florida. He still mm-hmm. lo- got love for the players on the team and the coaching staff. Like, that yeah. love for Florida is still there. It's still there. So, you, you, it's just, it was a better situation. He knew, like, once he got hurt, I mean, there was no way he was getting his job back, Kyle's taking over. Yeah, so, definitely. So, I, I, I could definitely understand that. Yeah, and, you know, it was – it's crazy how things play out because it was good for both parties, you know. Like, Felipe went somewhere where he didn't have as much pressure from, you know, the, the fans and social media and just everybody in the country in general. And, you know, he did pretty well there. And uh, you got a guy like Kyle Trash, who I believe was the better quarterback since the spring game of 2016, come in and finally have luck on his side, no injuries, health, uh, you know, confidence. I think that was it was destiny for both of those guys, and honestly, I'm just glad to see that they both made a roster. Yeah, it definitely worked out for both. I, I I'll go on record and say this: I, I wouldn't be surprised if Felipe won the backup quarterback job in Atlanta. He really could. He really could. I mean, they didn't bring him in there for nothing. So, yeah, surprised to see that. Now, Felipe is a guy. Felipe is a guy. He makes just enough plays with his athleticism, with his arm, he's always going to be a guy that keeps a job in the NFL just because he can – he has a cannon of an arm and he can run. You know, he's he's a willing learner. He's going to be able to keep a job, and I wish him the best, really. Yeah, I, I definitely do as well. And yeah, he deserves it. He deserves it. He definitely oh, yeah. deserves it. Now, now, for me, my question to you is mm-hmm. – it's gonna be it's gonna be a little a little controversial. Okay. Now, is there a is there a player that let's just say he's let's say he's a junior right now. He's going into his junior year. That those players. Is there a player in which you would say if he doesn't perform well? that he, he shouldn't touch the field anymore. Is there a player that you have in mind in that category? Dang, that's very controversial. I got one in mind, but I don't want to. Uh, or I'll phrase it like this. A player you want to see succeed that hasn't really played a whole lot yet, but you want to see actually get in the game and play and be successful. Hmm. <sighs> Matter of fact, let me just – Hold on a second. Give me give me a second because there's so many guys. One guy I would say right now is Jaden Hill, but he's been he's playing. But I'm to the point with him, bro. He got he got cooked. He got cooked a few times. That, that really bothered me, bro. But I really want to see him be successful. So, um, just the physical tools are there with him. You you feel what I'm saying? You feel what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, uh, yeah, him definitely. Um, another guy. Another guy, another guy. Who's one of your guys? I can't even think of one right now. Who's one of yours? One of mine, mm-hmm. I would say, is oh man. You know what? I got I got I got one. Um David Reese. David that's Reese. Who I, that's where I was going. That's where I was going. Bro, 
you see a guy like David Reese, bro. David Reese is built like freaking Dwayne Johnson, but we haven't seen him produce anything. And I want to see what it looks like off the Achilles injury as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just a because bunch I, of bad- because I know from what I heard, he was actually going to play a lot last year. Yeah. And Achilles injury happened, and that pretty much shut it down. Yeah, he was like, uh, I think he was, I think he was second string for us against Ole Miss, and he made a few good plays. So, yeah, yeah. him. Uh, yeah, that that's who that's the one I was going with. Yeah. Um, of course, Dante Lang. He's a he, you know Dante Lang is a guy that. Uh, yeah, what position is he playing? Is he playing tight end or defensive end again? Bro, I haven't. I don't even freaking know. Because I Dante- know he started off at defensive end, then they moved him to tight end, and I think I want to say they moved him back to defensive end. Yeah, bro. He he's been everything. I mean, Jesus Christ. But he's a he's a defensive line this year. Um, Dante Lang, uh, a guy I'm huge on that I, I think is going to produce is uh, Andrew Chatfield Jr. He he man, Chatfield is a good player. He's a good player. People sleep on him. Yeah, man, he got in the game this war last year, and every game he got in, he made an impact. South Carolina specifically. I mean, he was he was like dominating that game, bro. He was he. He went in there and pretty much, um, like he wreaked havoc. Yeah, yeah. And my thing is, you know how everybody feels about Tom Grantham, and of course he doesn't call the best, you know, plays and schemes. But my real issue with Todd Grantham is he tries to rotate guys so much that he takes hot players on defense out of their rhythm, like. There were some games where Chatfield was out there dominating the guy that he was on his matchup, and he would just pull him out for no reason. Yeah, that it, it kind of yeah that that rubbed me the wrong way as well. It's like you got guys <laughs> in great rhythm and like you pull them. It's like why why'd you pull? Them? Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of fans were saying that last season because it because it, it was at every position, a running back position. You know, you got a guy that's hot. Touching the ball at running back, he's getting yards, and then boom, you pull, oh. and then oh drive stalls. Like, why did you pull? Naquan Wright had a few. Georgia and Texas and them. Naquan Wright was balling. I mean, he was eating. But you know, you, you take him out, and it's like, all right. Because truth be told, bro, like, I guess it was kind of foreshadowing the whole year. You know, leading up to the LSU game, we would have some times where. We would be dominating teams, and then we would just go and like sit back. Like Tennessee, the perfect example, just go in there and just sit back. Like, I don't understand the mentality. Like, step on their throat, beat them, leave no doubt, and you just get reluctant. Like, I don't, I didn't understand that whole, that whole situation that we had going on. Yeah, yeah, neither did I. Now, last week we put out a poll. Mm-hmm. That talking about Jason Marshall, how many interceptions do you think it would get? Would it be over four, under four, or yeah. a push where it would be four exactly? Yeah. And if you looked at the results of this poll, I'm going to pull it up real quick. Okay. But if you looked at the results of this poll, it was an overwhelming result that pretty much said, they think he gets under four interceptions. Yeah. It was 
14% over four, 72% under four, and 14% push. Hmm. So, and so I had to, um, I had to clarify with everybody, hey, um, we're not talking career, we're talking just for the season. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with the under at this point. I originally said push, but now I agree with the under because it depends on who you bring in as a transfer and how much playing time does he actually get. Yeah, definitely. Now, this is going to be a poll. This, we're going to put this poll out for everybody else, but it's a question I'm going to ask you, ask you, and this is going to be another over-under question. Over-under the number of touchdowns that – Malik Davis has. I'm going to set hmm. over under at and this is total touchdowns, rushing and receiving. I'm going to set the over under at 10. 10 for Malik? Yeah. Now remember, this is rushing and receiving. Rushing and receiving. Uh, I'm going to say under 10. Okay. I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him about 7. I I agree. I'm going to say Eight. I think you'll have five rushing and three receiving. It depends on how much he's utilized too, and how and injuries and all that stuff. That yeah, which is where I was going with that because you know Naquan Wright's gonna play. You know um, Damian Pierce is gonna play, and Bowman and Lingard they may get some tick, so mm. that's gonna cut into the carries as well. And another one I want to ask is who do you think are the starting kick returners and the starting punt returners gonna are gonna be? Starting punt returner, I want to see Finley Graham back there. Finley Graham is he's a freak of nature when it comes to returning punts. So I'm thinking Finley, but if not Finley, I'm thinking we're gonna have Xavier Henderson back there, kind of how we have Freddie Swain. Um, kick return, kick return, kick return. Ah, uh, I kind of want to see Lingard back there. Um, Lingard, what's we put back there? Kick return. I think we had. Didn't we have Frazier's back there as like a backup kick returner one time? I think we did. Yeah, so I'm assuming Frazier is going to get some play back there. But personally, I want to see Lingard and Burke. Okay, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah. For me, I'll say the punt returner is this one. Honestly, should have been a little bit more obvious. Punt returner is Jacob Copeland. Okay, got you, got you. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he ends up as the punt returner. Okay. And behind him, I would say. Either Finley Graham or Xavier Henderson, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I think kick returner wise, it's funny. I heard this on Stadium Miguel, and that got to thinking. Shout out to those guys through Stadium Miguel. Definitely shout out those guys, and we definitely want to do a crossover show with them one of these days soon. If we oh, can. absolutely, absolutely, yeah, we definitely got to do that. But I heard this on Stadium Miguel, and it got me thinking. And I'm thinking, you know what? This wouldn't be a bad option. I think the kick returners could be Jacob Copeland, but here's the guy that they mentioned that I would I wouldn't mind seeing back there, Demarcus Bowman. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Like, if you're gonna find a way to get him on the field, there's enough. There's a way right there. If it's not at running back, there's a way right there to get him on the field and get him some touches. No doubt, no doubt. Because you know he's got. You know he got the speed. He does. He does. Yeah, just look at the film. He's running away from everybody. The vision, his vision is incredible. Yeah, so I would think it would be those two guys. If um, if not those two, I could see Lady Guard back there also. Yeah, strong, strong for sure. Yeah, because he's a big back, but he's got. I mean, we're talking about again breakaway speed. Mm-hmm. You just want guys out there that can break it. Like, exactly. team, like if you look at the urban days, what was the one thing that what what were we best at? What were we the best team in the country at in at every position? At any every, position. Right. It was, it was special teams, right? Special teams, bro. Like special teams makes a huge impact. So mm-hmm. and and it wasn't just returning kicks, it was or punts. We were blocking mm-hmm. field goals, we were blocking punts. I want to get back to that. We need it, bro. We need it because that, you know, that aspect of the game is what changed everything. Like this year, for example, this upcoming year, bro, we have a, a game against Alabama. Uh, a block punt could turn that stadium upside down and create the type of energy we need to be able to pull off an upset, you know. But um, with us not being that type of team anymore where we want to be aggressive on – uh on blocking punts and stuff like that, I feel like it takes away from what we could be. So um, if I we agree. get that, bro, we have to speed. There's no excuse this year. We have so many speed guys that we can line up to go go get it, you know? So we need that. Yeah, we, we definitely do. Mm-hmm. And another question for you, will we see – do you think we'll see black uniforms? Uh, a black uniform? I don't think we're going to see a black uniform, bro. <laughs> uh, I wish I want, we could. I, want, I want it so bad. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. And, I, and I need for it to be a night game, too. Yeah. Black yeah. uniforms in a night game. This is what you can do. You know how they paint the field, the end zones blue, and you got the blue outlines on there? Bro, black with Painted blue. black. Black. Painted black. Blue. Oh my god. With bro. black uniforms at night. That would be incredible. That would be incredible. That would that be incredible. Would be absolutely insane. And because you know the players are gonna be hyped for it. Yeah. As, as long as I don't see them swamp green uniforms again. Them swamp uniforms are something different, bro. Well, it was different, all right. <laughs> but <laughs> first, but the more I see it every day, bro, it's like I don't even know what I was thinking. They're not that nice. But see, I wanted to go out on a limb and say, yes, we'll see black uniforms. I don't know. I'll say I don't know. I don't okay. I don't want to straight up say yes and then we don't get them or say no and then we do get them. So I'm gonna say I don't know yet. I don't know if we will. I want to. I can tell you right now I want to. Because mm. we as fans, we've been clamoring for black uniforms for a long time now. Oh yeah, definitely. It, it, it's time to bring them in. As soon as we got Jordan Brand, bro, everybody's black uniform, black black uniforms, and there was some post that kind of like showed some type of black equipment, and everybody yeah. was crazy. black uniforms. Crazy. I know. I thought it was black uniforms. 
And then also, because like I said, I want to see black uniforms. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll ask this question also. Okay. Is there a coach do you think is on the hot seat? <laughs> I grant them. Besides, I was about to say, besides soccer, heavy Okay, yeah. Bro, enough with the bull crap. Enough with not being able to push and, you know, get yards, running the ball consistently. We're the Florida Gators, bro. We're supposed to be able to do that. We're supposed to be able to recruit and close on guys that we need in order to be successful. Even when we had McIlwain, bro, we was able to close in on guys like, you know, Sharp and everything, get those guys. Uh, Jawan Taylor, evaluating. When is the last time, you know, besides Braun, that we actually closed on somebody that we really, really wanted and we pursued for a while? You know what I mean? So Exactly. Not, and not no project that's going to take exactly. years to develop. Exactly. We talking, we talking guys that can um, come in and play right away. Exactly. Like these, exactly. Four, these high four and borderline five-star guys that can come in and play right away. Yeah, we need some program changing offensive linemen. We haven't been able to get that. Yeah, because he's developed some offensive line. Let's be real. Let's give him his credit now. He's developed oh, yeah. a lot of offensive line, whether it was at Florida, Mississippi State. Doesn't matter. He's developed some offensive linemen, but a lot of them have been projects. When's mm-hmm. the last time he's developed a, a five star caliber player at the position? It's been a while, bro. Now, it's been I'll, a while. And, and I, but I'll say this. As terrible as he is as a recruiter, even though he's not a great coach, he's not as bad as some of the fans make him out to be. Oh, of course. He's not a terrible, terrible coach. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's a coach. Mm-hmm. But but when you got when you got certain players out there that kind of make you look bad, um that doesn't help that doesn't help you as a coach. Yeah, truthfully, bro, and you know. Partially because freaking uh, John DeLentz has uh, been one of the most awful offensive linemen that I've seen at UF. Uh, that doesn't help Hevesy at all as, as far as the fan base. But, you know, if we if we had consistent uh, play on the offensive line and we played the right people, he would be, you know, on less of a hot seat for me. Yeah, I agree. And before we close that, do you have any final thoughts on recruiting the team, anything like that? Um, final thought is I really want us to close out on Evan Stewart, and I really want us to close on uh, Isaiah Bond. Um, those guys are, are two guys that, you know, I look forward to seeing play college football. Those are very athletic and uh, talented route receivers. So if we can get those guys in the swamp to help A. Rich and you know, Del Rio, Kitna, whatever. That would be awesome, bro. We need to keep him. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, we we need the kind of speed that Isaiah Bond has. Yes. We we, we need we need that speed on our um on our field. Definitely. Oh yeah. And oh, then yeah. with I, and then with Evan Stewart, I definitely agree. That is a guy that we have to absolutely close out on. Absolutely. absolutely. Like this, like this, this is the number one. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna put it out there right now. This is the best wide receiver in the country. Yes, in high school yes. football, this is the best wide receiver in the country. This is a guy 
that has a connection with our quarterback committee. We have to close on this guy. This is Billy's guy. We have to close on him. And it's going to be sickening if we don't, but yeah, I'll be, we, you said what? I'll be sick if we can't close on him. Yeah, that's the guy that I definitely want to close on. Definitely. Yep. And I would, I, and my final thought would be we have to get Tyler Booker. Oh, 100%. 100%. We 100% have to get this guy on campus. Mm-hmm. I don't care what kind of way, what it takes. Get him on campus. We got to get him on campus. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're doing something new on here when we close it out. We're going to start putting out songs of the week. The end, yes, the sir. End, in the show. So last week, I, we kind of debuted the, the song. And it's the intro song that we have for the podcast. We just put this whole, we put the whole song out the end on the end of the show last week. So this week is Jerry's turn to pick the song of the week. Yes, sir. Headshots by Isaiah Rashad, man. Y'all peep my boy out. He just dropped some new stuff. I like it. I like it. I like it. Yes, sir. Definitely looking forward to hearing that. And with that, this has been another great episode of the Swamp Inside Ford Athletics. Oh, by the way, before we call, before we do that, mm. let's let everybody know where we can, where we can follow you. Or you can follow me on Instagram at jlamar underscore ii. Or you can follow me on Twitter at iambreezyii. Still up and kicking, not suspended. Let's go. This time. <laughs> and you can follow you can follow me on Twitter at aceway1 and on Instagram at ace underscore way1. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at inside underscore swamp and on Instagram at inside underscore Ford athletics. And with that, this has been another great episode of the swamp inside Ford athletics. I'm your host, Anthony Beck, along with Jerry Brown. Yes, sir. It's been a great episode. Go Gators and God bless. God bless y'all, man. Be easy. Chomp, chomp. Let's go.
Since a nigga been back, but a nigga done changed, 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 changed. We couldn't tell them I'm fat, couldn't cover my pain, 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 pain. Lane, 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 lane. Swing, 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 swing. Boy, you always run around with a target on If a nigga follow me to the car garage, I'ma spark it up That's a Mac with a Mac and a Tonka trunk Like my uncle's son, got some thumping her Like a trumpet, huh? When it's crunking her, when it's dumping her I'ma spark it up So say,